Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the motoring podcast called Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. I am he and you are? I am Lorraine Ballingall. And here we are looking at the world of motoring. And in this edition of the podcast, we'll be joined by Peter Alibon, who's the UK sales director for Mazda, talking about the 30th anniversary of the MX-5, looking at what new models are on the way with Mazda, and dare I mention Brexit. (laughs) Plus, we'll be asking the question... When was the last time you read the Highway Code? Oh, yes, a little while ago. Uh, Talking of remembering things, Lorraine, Mm -hmm. do you remember when MGs and Rovers were very common sights on the roads? Yeah, not just common, they were popular as well, and people used to aspire to owning one. Well, in the words of the song, on the road again. Yes, it's just over 10 years since the MG brand came under Chinese control. Designed and engineered at Longbridge in Birmingham, Lorraine and I were driving just before Christmas and an MG passed us. And we both looked at each other and said at the same time, we must get behind the wheel of this. And we really have been working together too long when we know what each other is thinking. (laughs) The MG in question was the MG ZS, which comes into the compact SUV category. And that's what we've been test driving this week. As Ali said, it caught her eye when it passed us on the road and our test car in bold blue certainly caught the eye of other motorists when we were out driving. Now, apart from it being a new car on the road, which always draws attention, I'm sure the MG badge on the large front grille and also on the rear catches the attention. People looking at it going, MG? I'm sure that's what it's meant to do. And it certainly does the trick. Apart from the badge, Lorraine, what were your thoughts on the exterior looks? Well, just on the badge, firstly, I think younger drivers won't have any idea what the badge is in the first place. It's going to drive attention to them too. As you say, though, Ali, it's quite striking with sharp lines. It's a good-looking car, but it's up against some really big sellers, for example, the Mazda CX-3 and the Nissan Duke. That's just a couple of examples. There's, there's plenty more. So it's going to have to win on something else. So it's going to be price or the interior finish. So let's have a look at the price then. The ZS has a starting price of £12,495, which is a couple of grand below any of its rivals. However, the model we had this week was the top of the range exclusive auto, which had a price tag of fifteen thousand. £495. I have to say the, the lead-in price of £12,500 is a good one. It is a good one. However, even for the 15500 you do get a fair bit of toys for your money with the exclusive. Uh, you get Apple CarPlay, SatNav, 8-inch touchscreen, reversing cameras, DAB radio, don't buy a car without one, aircon, cruise control and leather effect seats, plus a fair amount of interior space for both front and rear rear passengers and they haven't held back on boot space either with 448 litres on offer more in fact if you fold down the 60-40 rear seats ZS is front wheel drive only but I don't really see that as being a problem very few in the market for the sector are likely to take it off road anyhow Similarly, it comes in petrol only, no diesel model. But that's the way we're heading at the moment until the government change their mind again. <laughs> yes, there are two petrol engines available, a 1.5 litre and a three-cylinder one-litre turbocharged. The 1.5 is coupled to a five-speed manual transmission, whilst the smaller engine comes with a six-speed automatic box, and that's the one for me. And here's the odd one out. The most expensive of the two is the one-litre, 
the 1.5 is cheaper than the mm. one liter. There's been a few of us asked the question. Bizarre. What? Yes, bizarre, but that's the way it is. The model we were driving was the one liter turbocharged auto, which wasn't the fastest pocket rocket in the world, taking 12.4 seconds to reach 62 miles per hour. But it is because of the badge, though, that you, the heritage of that badge. You expect it to be a bit of a performance car, but it really isn't the mm. case, is it? And by that, I mean suspension, handling, give a very comfortable drive indeed, but no way can it be described as sporty. MG claim the ZS is capable of over 44 miles per gallon, and we seem to return around about 42 so considering you're driving, Ali, actually that wasn't too bad. I know, we were fairly, we were fairly in the zone, yep. but I would have thought that it would have given us a wee bit more. I was I was thinking when they were saying it's going to be around about 44, I thought, oh really? I, thought, I was expecting about 50. Not with your right foot. <laughs> I do occasionally get it. My overall thoughts of the MG ZS were good, but room for improvement. A bit more interior finesse, please. And I found that the auto box to be a wee bit, well, a bit. the only word that I can think of is clunky at times. Mm-hmm. It, the, the whole car brought to my mind the first Dacia. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Where yes, that I remember up, it. Windy yeah. up windows and, and we took it out in a Ford before track and, mm-hmm. and thought, this is great. It's doing the business, but it's basic. And look at how that has come on. It's evolved. It's got more expensive as they've added more into it. And I can understand here, I think, why MG have taken this route. They've gone into the, well, let's keep it down to the basic. It's mm-hmm. got to have an attraction at £2,000 less than the nearest rival, which I think is the Duke uh, in price terms. Then then I can understand why they've gone they that going? way. Yeah. What's your I thoughts? think it's a welcome return to the to the marketplace of a Sisoeli. It's priced just right, as you say, but they're going to do an awful lot of marketing of their products to get an inroad into there because it's a very busy popular sector. But in, in all, it's, it's an okay car. It's more than an okay car, yes. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. This is Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. On the last edition of the podcast, we were talking about Mazda, the success of Mazda Lorraine, and we said we must get someone on from the company to talk about where they are at the moment. Because someone got... with better expertise than us, Alan. Exactly, <laughs> instead of us just waffling about it. So we've got uh, Peter Albin, who's the sales director for Mazda UK, joining us now. Uh, Peter, thank you very much indeed for joining us on this edition of the podcast. It is an exciting time for you in Mazda, isn't it? It is, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, it certainly is. Um, as you mentioned, the 30th anniversary of our iconic sports car um, has just has just surpassed, and we celebrated that and uh, announced the 30th anniversary limited edition uh, vehicle um, at the uh, Chicago Motor Show uh, just earlier this month, which has gone down a storm. Um, it's a it's a, a bright orange vehicle, um, and will go on sale in the country uh, in the spring. But we've already taken sixty five orders just off the back of the motor show in Chicago, which is fantastic. But wow, well, what it does also is just uh, gives us some more exposure of uh, this great sports car, which um, you know is in all sorts of record books, um, and it just elevates our brand further uh, by celebrating you know a success of. Uh, what was kind of almost almost dead 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we were one of very few manufacturers that chose to go down this route, and we're just delighted that it's continued for so long. You say you've sold 60 in the, the bright orange or 60-odd. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a limit on the number you're, you're being allowed into the UK? Yes, we, we, we've signed up for 600, so they'll all be numbered and badged. Um, so we're, we're well into 10% of the 
the volume despite it only uh, being uh, launched or unveiled mm. um, a couple of weeks ago. It's a beautifully designed car, Peter, but what do you think the, the secret of the success is 30 years later? Um, I think that we've kept true to the original concept of making a joyful uh, open-top sports car uh, that I think it, it, it's designed to put a smile on your face, um, not necessarily... Uh, you, you don't get out of the car thinking, uh, I'm glad I'm still alive, but some sports <laughs> cars might, might uh, do to you. It's per- perfectly balanced. Um, it's fast enough to put the wind through your hair and put a smile on your face. And I think that just reaches out to so many people um, looking for that experience. And I think the drivability, tra- staying true to the, nas- uh, the naturally aspirated engine, um, it just has, has, has been a formula that's worked and we've not tinkered with it too much. But it has evolved, you know, to meet today's modern tastes. Absolutely. I mean, the design has evolved, the technology within it has evolved, um, but still it remains perfectly balanced um, and naturally aspirated uh, uh, driving experience. Do you remember, Lorraine, when they were doing one of the launches and it was in um, northeast Scotland, it was in uh, St Andrews, and we drove um, all day. Uh, along the coast, down Anstruther, Pittenweem, all those areas. I do. And when we drove into Anstruther, I will never forget when we drove alongside the harbour and the boats there. And it was a summer's day. It was beautiful. The place was absolutely packed with visitors. And all of a sudden, the attention had gone from the boats to the cars that we were driving. It was just (laughs) astonishing. And everybody had big smiles on their faces. And that's what it does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what it does, and uh, there's you know the owners' club is, is kind of testament to um, the success of MX5 and, and the gatherings that go on there, uh, and it's great for us to get involved in those sometimes and actually see those smiles on the faces. Contrary to that, though, Peter, I was one of the journalists that got stuck on Bodmin Moor um, <laughs> a number of years ago in heavy, heavy snow, and yep. there was cars stuck everywhere, but the MX5 got us back to the hotel. Alive. I bet with some fun as well. It was, <laughs> it was. Ah, yeah. right. you got back three days later. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in the car for 13 hours, it was fantastic. Wow. <laughs> that, was a, that was a cracker, that one, it wasn't was, it? Yes. yes, yes. I think the other key factor for, for its success over the years is if you look at what the price of the car was when the Mark One first came out and, and compare that to the the price now for uh, you know the entry model, there, there's not a huge amount of difference. Um, it's around about I think four or five thousand pound difference from sort of fourteen or fifteen thousand pounds to nineteen thousand pounds. And you know if you if you think over the thirty years of inflation, it's actually a very very reasonable sports car still uh, through the range, um, and that's, that uh, adds to its success. Is there a particular, not just for um, the, the MX-5, but Mazda in general, is there a particular parts of the country that you sell better than others, Peter? Well, uh, Scotland has got the highest uh, market share, and that's probably reflective of the strong dealers that we've got uh, across the region, and we're, and we're very well represented. So Scotland punches above its weight in terms of uh, against our national share. And then... Um, we tend just to, to have a, a relatively stable share across uh, the remainder of the UK um, and in Northern Ireland as well, which is also um, a similar share to what we experience uh, in England and Wales. Now, you've got the um, Geneva Motor Show not too far away. What's mm-hmm. coming up for Mazda? 
so coming out, well, first of all, I mean, we, we actually um, unveiled our all-new Mazda 3 um, at the, which was, which motor show, the LA Motor Show. Right. Um, I think that was November. So we've got that coming in. Actually, this week I've spent <clears throat> unveiling the car physically to our dealer network. So that's kind of first and foremost. That will go on sale uh, in May. Um, and that's the first of our new generation of cars. And it's an, a, a huge step change for us, really. Um, and, and is the first of the, the new wave of cars that will be coming through. And it's a big step change because just in terms of the investment that's been put in uh, R&D and design, but more importantly, in the interior quality, the interior materials, and just the general feeling that you get from sitting in the car. It's a far more uh, premium experience, and we're hoping to reach out to a new type of customer. And then when when Geneva uh, uh, comes uh, next month, we will also there be unveiling uh, a new an all-new SUV, uh, which will be a CSUV. It'll be in addition to our, our current lineup. Um, the name is to be confirmed at Geneva, um, but that uh, also brings with it some fantastic design cues, superb interior qualities in a segment that is actually uh, uh, growing greatly, and this car will fit in nicely within our range. I could see Lorraine just getting ready to jump in there and say, what's the name? <laughs> I know, I'm desperate to yeah. know. <laughs> uh, I'd love to tell you, uh, but I'm unable to. Oh, dear. Um, but it, but it wouldn't take a genius to work it out. Ah, must have it then. <laughs> okay. And I'm looking forward to the, the Mazda 3 launch for the press. That's uh, in uh, a month or so's time. Looking forward to that, to that as well. Yeah, I, enc- I, I, I encourage you, you know, when you get in the car, because it, it looks beautiful. Uh, many cars do today, don't they? But um, <clears throat> our design philosophy is about beauty through subtraction, having less curves, less detail in the bodywork, you let, letting light reflection um, create the beauty, but I just encourage you when you get in it, uh, sit in the car and have a look around and and just think does this um, does this look like a premium to you? Because when I've sat in it only for the first time this week myself, and our dealers have sat in it this week, have not driven it, right. um, but all of them agree that you know we're on a a road to premium uh, aspiration and with this being the first of our new generation of cars, it certainly is going to uh, firmly put us in that premium uh, positioning and and certainly a unique position within the market. Right, well, look forward to that. As we say, uh, an exciting time ahead for Mazda. It's it's a worrying time, though, for many motor manufacturers, not only in the UK, but throughout uh, the world. What do you, I mean, in in your experience in the motor industry, have have you ever come across a time that there is so much doubt in people's minds as to where we're going? Uh, No. Um, I mean, the motor industry never ceases to amaze, and every year brings with it its own challenges. I think 2018, with changes in homologation process and the uncertainties around the the outcome of Brexit for us locally, um, it's been a real challenge. And trying to determine what impact that has on consumer confidence and therefore what the right level of volume plans uh, is given the uncertainty out there. For us, in terms of the, the Brexit outcome, you know, we're far less exposed than many other manufacturers that may be um, manufacturing cars in either the UK or in Europe. We we manufacture pretty much everything we bring to the UK in Japan, with the exception of a few cars that are made in Thailand. And we have a 10% import tax already. So in terms of, you know, no deal on any import taxes that may be on tariffs that may be put on us, 
we um, are already in that place. So the other manufacturers have got to consider that. But still, um, putting that aside, we still had to uh, arrange for additional compounds in the UK so that we can move cars across. We're worried for any bottlenecks that there may be if there is a no-deal Brexit situation. And so we've had to make investments and put plans in place so that we've got you know, that scenario covered should it, it, it turn that way. But of course, if there is a deal, none of it would have been required. And it's a bit of wasted investment in terms of money and time. But uh, we, it's necessary for, to do that. So we keep the supply of cars coming uh, for our dealers and, the, and, and for the customers that may have ordered them. So it's very much forward thinking, isn't it, at the moment, but not knowing what's ahead of us, really? You you have to plan for multiple scenarios, and that's Mm -hmm. a frustrating thing. You know, having certainty and you know what you're planning for, uh, you have confidence in it, um, and you can uh, put all your resources to that. But when you've got multiple scenarios that you could be playing with, um, you're having to do things multiple times and the the no deal outcome um is quite significant to us and so we're uh, uh, next week i start moving cars from our compound in zebrugger which is where they normally would stay until a dealer calls them for a customer i'm having to move them all into the uk and i'm starting next week simply so that i don't get caught up in any bottlenecks as we lead Mm. towards the 29th of march and there is the potential of a no deal outcome as you say, though, that's all extra expense, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and time, and you know, and resources, and focus away from you know the day job, really. Mm, Interesting times ahead, then. I think for everybody, really. It is. Yeah, you know, we're we're looking for the planning for this year. You know, Mazda's a, a relatively small brand in terms of we. I think we've, uh, we finished at one point seven percent market share in uh, twenty eighteen, and our dealers are asking us what we're doing in twenty nineteen. We were one point three percent up year over year in twenty eighteen versus the, the industry that was down six percent. And I'm looking to to put a bit more growth really as a result of the new product that we've got coming through and the great existing product that we have. You know, and our dealers do ask, you know, is that wise given the uh, political and financial uncertainties and i and I, ex- I accept that for if you are a large brand you have to be mindful of the industry movements but with 1.7 percent share we've got uh you know 98 to go after and so you know i'm confident in the products we've got the team we've got and the dealers we've got to be able to make some small growth against the backdrop of maybe a market that's down year over year Peter, thank you very much indeed for joining us and, and bringing us up to date with what is happening on Master. Looking forward to the, the new models that are coming and uh, interesting times ahead. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Peter Alaban, Sales Director for Mazda UK. This is Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. So, to the question then, when was the last time you picked up the Highway Code? Probably quite a long time ago, if you're anything like myself. Nearly one in four motorists hasn't picked up the Highway Code since they first passed their test a way back when. That's according to data gathered by Halfords Auto Centres as part of its Roadworthiness Week campaign. They surveyed over 22,000 drivers, so it's not a small survey by any means, which reveals some disturbing statistics. A total of 36% of drivers confessed to not reading the rules of the road since they passed their test. 36%? I would have mm. thought it was been a bit more than that, yeah, actually. Yeah, That's those who've been honest. I, I have to say, I think they brought out a revamped version once that they sent me for uh-huh. some reason as a motoring person. <laughs> I, read, I, I flicked through it 
but you know, it's been a while for me as well. I think time. I did some revision with my daughters when they were doing their tests, but apart from that, I just didn't see any need to. But when you think about it, there are some new motoring laws that weren't in the, the highway code when we first passed our tests that we should be knowing about, or maybe some lesser known yeah. laws as well that we should be revising on. Maybe going on and taking that roadworthiness quiz oh, might be interesting for us, I think. I might try that next yes, time. Indeed. Uh, that's it. We'll run out of time for this week's podcast. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I'm Ali Bally. I'm Lorraine Ballingall. Until the next time, safe driving. Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels podcast. Like, share and subscribe.